The following production is part of the We Be Geeks podcast collective. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Produced with podcasting gear from Tascam. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. You know how Finn never gets to tell Ray that one thing he wants to tell her? Or how Han Solo can give Leia a sarcastic quip but never really open up to her? Well, you don't have to be rebel scum or the captain of the Millennium Falcon to experience the kind of rich relationships and life that we all long for. I'm Mark Went, and I'm a men's wisdom coach. After people work with me, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com, M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T, coaching.com. Crisis for the geek kind. Top geek officials admit they underestimated the hipster's defense capability. Geeks from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. They're doing their part. Are you? Join Weeby Geeks and the Geek Revolution and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. Want to know more? Do not attempt to adjust your device. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced. It cannot be stopped. And it is the only free voice left in the Geek Revolution. Welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the Dashing Duo, Derek and myself, Mike. And hey, Derek. Yes. This is one of those times we're not going to say we're out of time yet because we have with us co-writer, co-producer, Bob Gale from the Back to the Future franchise. And he's also the writer of this great book that came out back in March, um, the Back to the Future DeLorean Time Machine, Doc Brown's Owner's Workshop Manual. All correct. I love this book. I have some yeah, of the, this looks pretty cool. I have some of the Star Wars ones. And when um, James at Insight said, you interested in the interviewing Bob who's done the workshop manual for the DeLorean? I'm like, yes, we would. <laughs> Um, and what made you decide now is the time to do this book? Actually, the impetus for the book came from uh, Chris Prince, the editor at Insight Editions. Uh, he he supervised uh, a lot of these Haynes manuals that are based on uh, science fiction franchises and mm-hmm. Marvel, the Marvel vehicles one. Yep. And he was also the guy that was the editor on... Back to the Future, the ultimate visual history. So Chris is a big fan of Back to the Future and, and movies in general. And he just called me up and he said, well, what do you think about doing this? And I said, well, I don't know. And he said, let me send you uh, the Ghostbusters book and let me send you uh, the Marvel Vehicles book. And you take a look at those and you tell me if you think we could do a DeLorean book. So we sent him over and uh, I said, hell yes, let's do this. 
Now, you, now you now you've got me going. I need to save up to go get the Ghostbusters book that I did not know existed. <laughs> As a Ghostbuster fan, that that upsets me that I did not I know don't me either. But um, did you find it hard to piece together uh, this book? Well, what the first thing I did when I realized what it was going to be is I told Chris. I called up Joe Walser because Joe is a, is a co-author on here with me. And Joe was the guy who was in charge of the uh, Time Machine Restoration Project, where uh, Universal hired hired Joe uh, and Terry Matalus, and, uh, and they put together a team of guys to restore the original A-car, which had fallen to extraordinary disrepair. Um, and there's a great documentary about that called Out of Time, Saving the DeLorean Time Machine. Anyway, I said, we need to have Joe on board with this project because nobody knows more about the DeLorean Time Machine than he does. And he also will know how to create these uh, images that we need for the book. So Chris was a little bit leery because Joe had never done anything like this. I said, don't worry, I vouch for him. It's going to be fine. And uh, Chris said, "Okay, if you say so, we'll 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 pull the trigger on this." So uh, you know, Joe came over one day, and uh, we sat around trying to come up with names for all the different parts of the DeLorean that had never had names before. So you know, those uh, those pocky hockey pick puck looking things, you know, there are now the particle acceleration canisters. And, you know, the, the green f- football things are part of the cooling system. So we basically, we ran with what the original designer, Ron Cobb, uh, had come up with, where Ron's focus <clears throat> way back in 1984 was everything on the time machine has to have a reason for being there. It has to serve a purpose, it has to do something. So that was part of our job was to come up with all that stuff. Um, most of the Doc Brown journals, uh, that most of that stuff I wrote, and that was another thing that I discussed mm. with Chris, say, hey, this has to be more than just something for the total techno geeks who want to know all about the actual, uh, you know, what all these parts are. I said, this has got to be something that my daughter is going to want to read too. Um, let's use this as a way to fill in the holes between the movies. Uh, you know, the readers are going to find out what Doc Brown was doing before he invented the time machine. What got him here? Uh, what did Doc Brown do when he left Marty in front of Marty's house at, towards the end of the first movie and he goes into the future? What happened? Well, the book tells you. Uh, what did Doc do when he first arrived in 1885? Uh, when he got hit by lightning at the end of the second movie. And we, we tell you. So all that stuff makes this into more than just a, this is what all the different parts of the DeLorean, of all three DeLoreans are. This is also telling the story of Doc Brown. So in many ways, not only is this book a, um, like bonus materials to a DVD, but the book is, almost canon as well to the Back to the Future franchise? As much as as much as we can say something is canon in a universe where the space-time continuous is 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 malleable, it can change. (laughs) Yeah, we'll 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 say we'll say that. Yeah, this is this is what Doc (laughs) this is what Doc was doing um after World War II. This yeah, all that stuff. Sure. We can we we'll we'll uh we'll pull the trigger on there. And a lot of this stuff was uh 
originated in the IDW comic book series because yep. that started off being oh, right. four or five issues of that was all designed to just sort of answer fans' questions. You know, how did Marty and Doc meet? Um, you know, what? Uh, why doesn't George... What, do George and Lorraine remember um, Calvin Klein in 1955? Um, you know, those things are all, those things are all answered in the comic books, and so um, you know I ran with a lot of the stuff that we developed there, and uh, and so here it is. You know how did Doc finance? You know where did Doc get the money to do a hover conversion on on the DeLorean? Well, it's in here, and. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories, actually. Well, we're not going <laughs> to ask you to tell that story because we want you to yeah. buy the exactly. read it for your <laughs> exactly. Um, actually, I love that too. It could have just been a straight up technical manual, but you made it so much, so much more interesting, so much yeah. more fun to read. Yeah. And then the other fun part of well, it, it is must... all, all the all the little extra little newspaper articles and yes, you know, I love doc, that doc the slip. Doc's pink slip, why he got fired, you know, for wearing a Hawaiian shirt to work. (laughs) But it was, it was Friday. And as we all know, Friday's Hawaiian shirt day. (laughs) Not, not in the 1940s. It wasn't. (laughs) Um, I know we have had other people associated with the movie on the show in the past. We've had Kevin Pike. Uh, we've had um, Mike uh, sure. Michael Michael Klaster. Mike, oh, sure, yeah. Who, who did the ultimate visual history yeah, as well? Exactly. Oh. Um, and there were some great stories that they told. What's what's one of your favorite memories behind the time machine? Well, let's see. Now, lots of people always want to know. Well, why did you guys pick a DeLorean? And the reason I was going I was going to go there next. Okay, well, see, uh, I have psych- either psychic powers or I've talked to too many of you guys. <laughs> um, You've been to the future. It was, it was as uh, as as many many of our diehard fans know. In the first two drafts, the time machine was built out of an old refrigerator, and when we were actually finally in pre-production on the show, uh, one day Bob Zemeckis comes in the office and he says, "Hey, Bob." You know, all this business about Doc having to haul the time the time machine, the refrigerator around on the back of his pickup truck. That's a lot of logistics. That's a lot of shoe leather to shoot. Wouldn't Doc have been smart enough to, to uh, design this thing into a car? And I said, well, yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. And then Bob said, and what if it was a DeLorean? And at the time, this was in the summer of 1984, John DeLorean was on trial for um, yeah. supposedly uh, trying to make a cocaine deal to save his car company. Um, I always like to remind right. people that he was uh, acquitted because it was a sting operation. It was all uh, it was all set up. He was not, you know, they they came to him with this deal. He didn't go search it out. So John gets a bad rap for that, but he was set up by. Set up by the FBI for this, and there's conspiracy theories about that, which we won't go into today. Um, anyway, uh, the idea that it was a DeLorean, of course, those going doors made it visually, you know, the most extraordinary vehicle that we had come up with. Right. Plus, the fact that DeLorean was notorious, that made it a little bit dangerous, if you will. Um, so it just, it just ah, yes. perfect. It was the absolute perfect idea. And, uh, you know, Bob Zemeckis hit a grand slam with that, with that concept. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I don't, it, if it, 
I don't think if it was a, a refrigerator, it would have been as a, as much no, fun. No. And then, of course, the book also also tells the product placement story uh, where Universal hired a product placement company to make deals for us to put products in the movie for which we'd get money. And one day, the guy from the company uh, comes in my office and he says, hey, Bob, I have got a deal that is so great. It's going to give you guys $75,000, which... In 1984, that was equivalent to a day and a half shooting. That was a lot of money to get into our budget. I said, wow. okay, well, what's your what? What's this deal? He said, all you got to do is change the DeLorean into a Ford Mustang, and Ford Motor Company will give us all this money. And I looked <laughs> right at him. I said, Richard, Doc Brown doesn't drive a fucking Mustang. Get out of here. So, <laughs> <laughs> Mustang wouldn't have worked. Nope. No, of course not. Would have been terrible. Um, but I knew that, and uh, it didn't. I didn't even have to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty funny, though. <laughs> and um, and if you look in the appendix of the book, you'll see the T-shirt that these guys at the that one of the Delorean car shows made that says that on there. Because I always would tell that story at the uh, at the Delorean car shows. So uh, yeah, look towards the back of the book, and you'll find it there. I am heading there now. Now, when you were making the movie, were you expecting it to be such a a cult classic? Oh no, hell no. <laughs> we were we were just hoping that uh, you know that the movie would break even because you know the 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 rocky road to getting the movie made it had been rejected over and over and over and over again. And finally, um, the the first inkling that we had that the movie might be a hit was when we were filming at Whittier High School with Michael J. Fox. Um, now, remember, we'd already filmed five weeks of the movie with Eric Stoltz as Marty McFly, and right. wasn't working out. So we replaced Eric with Michael J. Fox, who'd have been our original first choice anyway. Uh, and at the time, uh, the producer wouldn't let him out of Family Ties, uh, the TV series he was in, because uh, he was carrying a heavy load there. But by the time we got around to saying, okay, we need to make a change, and uh, Gary said to us, uh, if you guys will put family ties in first position and shoot around our schedule, and Michael's willing to work that way, okay. So anyway, we get we get Michael into the show. Now, we'd shot <clears throat> at Whittier High School with Eric Stoltz over Christmas break in 1984. And usually when you're shooting a movie near school, you know, kids come over to find out what's going on. They hang around. They want to watch what's going on. That wasn't the case. You know, who's in this movie? Eric Stoltz. Eric who? We're interested. Well, we're back at Whittier High School, spring break, 1985, to reshoot those same scenes. And word gets out, hey, Michael J. Fox is in this movie shooting over at Whittier High School. We had kids lined up seven deep to catch a glimpse of Michael J. Fox. So I guess I looked at each other and we said, whoa, this kid is really a big star. You know, maybe people are actually going to show up at the theater when this picture opens. And they did. Not only did they show up, but our second weekend box office was higher than our first weekend. Um, this was something that is was rare even then. Never happens anymore, of course, because uh, they open so right. wide. I, I will I will take some credit for some of that because I was at both weekends. <laughs> <laughs> Very much at both weekends. Yeah, well, I, you probably bring your friends the second weekend, right? Uh, 
I went with friends opening weekend, and then I took my I convinced my dad we, that he had to go, and we went second you, weekend. Yeah, people people saw the first weekend. They told everybody, "Oh, you got to go see this." Oh, well, that and the music was great. Uh, the soundtrack, the um, the, you know, with Huey Lewis, which I was a big fan of. The the regular soundtrack, which was uh, Hans Zimmer. No, oh, Al Silvestri. Al Silvestri. That's right. Um, I'm confused for a second. Um, but what ended up being your favorite moment of the film that has been a steady well, thing through all these years? My favorite moment of shooting the first movie was that first night that Michael J. Fox came to work because, you know, we hired, we fired our lead actor after five and a half weeks of shooting. You know, nobody does that. It's insane, right? It's right. risky. It's crazy. And, you know, the crew, they were thinking, oh, do these guys know what they're doing with that? Um, so <laughs> here we were at Plenty Hills Mall, the location for Twin Pines Mall. And Michael J. Fox comes to work, and it was glorious. I mean, he was happy to be there. He was so excited, and he was doing the exact same stuff that Eric did the week before, but it was so different. And you could just feel, as soon as the cameras rolled, Everybody there on location, they just, everybody, we just kind of heaved a giant sigh of relief saying, oh my God, Michael J. Fox is Marty McFly. Yes, this is the movie we thought we were making when we read the script. And that moment has never, never left my consciousness because it was, say, we, we were building up to something, you know, you're taking the biggest chance doing this. And we were way out on a limb. And <laughs> Boy, did it work out. <laughs> For a period of time where we still had a lot of original movies, original thought, what led to the thought behind the original plot for Back to the Future? Uh, the original idea came to me uh, when I was visiting my parents uh, back in the summer of 1980. I was actually promoting the movie, the, the previous movies that Max and I did, Used Cars. Uh, Love so that I went back. Yeah. I went back to St. Louis to do you know the local boy does good story right, and I'm staying with my folks and I'm digging around in the basement and I came across my father's high school yearbook. I attended the same high school that my dad did. I'd never seen his yearbook before, and I said, oh, "Cool, see what my high school looked like in 1940." So I'm thumbing through it and see what my dad looked like when he was in high school. And I discovered my dad had been the president of his graduating class. Never knew it. And then I'm looking at this picture of him and I'm thinking to myself, gee, the president of my graduating class, he was a bozo. He was one of these rah-rah school spirit guys. <laughs> I'd never have anything to do with that guy. Was that the kind of guy that my dad was? And if I had been in high school with my dad, would I have even been friends with him? And bingo, that's when the lightning bolt struck me. And I said, there's a movie. A kid goes back in time and ends up. <laughs> cool. That's how it started. That's awesome. So on, on that note, when did when when and how did the idea for the sequels come? Oh, well, the sequels were about after the movie was the biggest hit of 1985. Right. Uh, Universal in the in the person of Sid Sheinberg, the CEO, he said, I want a sequel, gentlemen. And we're going, well, mm -hmm. I think about it. We'll think about it. He said, no, you guys don't understand. There is going to be a Back to the Future sequel. And you have two choices. You can make it or you could step aside and we'll make it without you. Um, 
on the bus or off the bus, we're on that bus, of course. <laughs> we said to Scheinberg, we said, okay, we'll do it, but here's the condition. We have to have Michael J. Fox and we have to have Christopher Lloyd signed up because if we don't have both of those guys, uh, there's not going to be an idea for a sequel that we're going to come up with that we'll be happy with. Right. So he said, oh, that makes sense to me. So he goes off and he makes deals with Michael and Chris. And with a lot of vision, he says, to, he says, I'm not only going to make a deal for part two, I'm going to make a deal for part three. Now, part three wasn't, there was nothing in our consciousness about part three at this point. <laughs> he was just covering his butt, right? Um, so he makes deals with Chris and Michael for Back to Future 2 and Back to Future 3. And he comes back to us and says, okay, deals are made. Get, get started. So we said to ourselves, okay, what is it that people want to see in a sequel? They want to see the characters that they love from the first movie. Um, but basically, they want to see the first movie again, but different. And how, how much the same, how different it is, <laughs> that's, that's the decision that you have to make as a, as a creator. But key to that was... How many people from the first movie are you going to get back in the second? So we went to Leah Thompson, and she said, if you guys are doing it, I'm in. And we went to Tom Wilson, and he said the same thing. And we went to Crispin Glover, and Crispin said, well, gee, I don't know. And he comes back, his agent comes back to us, asking for a whole lot more money than we thought we should be paying him. And we said, okay, no thank you. Uh, we're not going to even respond to that prop." That uh, proposition with a rebuttal, you come back. This was a conversation that we were having with his agent. You know, go back to the, your client, come back with something more reasonable or, or not. And she came back two weeks later and said, uh, he says not. So we said, okay, we can write him out. Um, and uh, that's, remember, at this point, we had no no story, nothing. We didn't know what we were going to do. So, so wow. now we say, okay, we've got, we've got Marty, we've got Doc, we've got Lorraine, we got Biff, but we don't have George. So that led to the story of George being a tombstone in this alternate version of 1985, and it was all a result. Uh -huh. of, these are the, you know, these are the tools that we had. These, these are the paints that we have in our in our paint box, and uh, this is what we don't have. So let's do the best that we can with what we have. Uh, and that's, that, that's how it happened. Huh. Well, I kind of want to go it, back. And it ended up all working out great. Well, sure. I mean, one of the, the hardest, the hardest creative problem that we had was telling the story of Marty's kids. Because remember the first movie, we say that you can change history, right? Um, the history of the mm -hmm. McFly family changes because of what Marty does in 1955. So, um, and I thought, okay, how are we going to get the audience to care about these two kids that Marty has when they might not even exist? Because we said, okay, what if we start the movie where Marty says to Doc, oh, there's a problem with my kids? All right, Jennifer, I'm breaking up with you. Uh, we're not going to get married? No kids? No problem. <laughs> short film. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Very short film. We knew the audience wasn't going to sit still for that. We knew the audience wanted to see, you know, the future. We, the audience wanted to see Marty's kids. So basically what we used the story of Marty's kids for was the jumping off point of the sports almanac story, which gets us into the real story of Back to the Future 2. Uh, and then it was right. Bob with the idea hey, let's do something that you could never do in any other movie, which is go back 
actually literally go back into the first movie and see events from the first movie from a completely different point of view. Ah, brilliant. Which was, which was brilliant. Yeah. Now, obviously in 85, you could have never have known that <laughs> 20 years in the future, <laughs> the Cubs were going to almost make the World Series. That's right. Or that Miami <laughs> was going to have a baseball team, even though wrong, wrong league. When all this came about, did it, did it kind of freak you out some of, wait? Well, sure. I mean, the, the Miami thing, that that was sort of okay. As if, if you know, I was I was a big baseball fan, um, and you know, you're always reading about well, where's where's Major League going to expand to? Miami was always you know one of the top three cities on that right. list. So to predict that Miami would have being a biggest sports uh, town as it is, the idea that prediction was that was pretty easy. I would have never predicted Tampa, um, but Miami, yeah. So that was that was pretty easy. Now the Cubs thing, of course, that was just a complete joke because we thought to ourselves, what is the most ridiculous sports event that you could think of? And it was the Cubs winning the World Series. So yeah, it was it was it, it was nuts when uh, when they were contenders, and, and it almost happened that year right it almost happened used to use is a doc had not predicted the baseball strike that's why it was a year off (laughs) (laughs) that works um i kind of want to go back to one of the bonus scenes from the dvd of the first film it's my favorite it's um involves seeing lorraine in the classroom cheating right and it's Marty wearing the white T-shirt, the 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 net or the um, the netting on his head, and he does the whole. Oh, that was the, that was the gag reel. That, the gag reel. That, that that scene was part of the gag reel. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, he did the cholo version. <laughs> that was so awesome. What was that? Just something he did on his own, just yeah, to have yeah. a gag reel. He said, "Okay, I got a great idea. I'm going to do this take." And uh, he comes, <laughs> he comes, and he does. He does Hispanic Marty, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was one of my favorites in the gag reel. Um, now, y'all filmed two and three essentially back-to-back. We did. Y'all were one of the first films to do that. What what led to, to that idea and concept of going back-to-back with the films? And how difficult well, was it? <clears throat> Well, we got the idea. I, you know, I'm not going to take credit. I always give credit where credit is due. Um, the movie that I remember where it was done that way was Richard Lester's Three Musketeers and Four Musketeers. And for anybody that's listening to this, and if you're not familiar with those movies, they are the best versions of the Three Musketeers. Yes, story. they are. I'm going to have to um, go back and watch it now. Now, now hearing that they were filmed back to back. They were. They were. Uh, they actually, they were filmed originally thinking that it was all going to be one giant three and a half hour movie. Whether they really knew they were going to split uh-huh. it in two, I don't know. But I remember seeing The Three Musketeers, and at the end of it, they have a trailer for The Four Musketeers. And I was so excited because, you know, The Three Musketeers is great all by itself. And then immediately at the end of the movie, there's a trailer for The Four Musketeers, and there's going to be another one, and it's already been shot. And I felt so much better about that 
than I did after I saw The Empire Strikes Back. And I walked out of theater going, what the hell? What? What? What the hell kind of movie is that? And uh, there's another? There an- there well, there was, at that time, nobody knew whether there was going to be a, yeah. a third Star Wars movie, well, right? I mean, with... with- Yoda telling Obi-Wan, no, there's another so yeah, the Jedi. Right. And then, and of course, okay, the bombshell. And, and then the bombshell. Right, yeah. I'm your father. <laughs> what? No. Yeah. <laughs> it was three years of torture there. Yep. Yeah, it was. So um, when we realized that we had enough material to do two movies, because we had a version of Back to the Future 2 that had a 40-page Act 4, if you will, uh, that took place in the Old West. But the script didn't work that way. It just, it just, it was too weird to suddenly start introducing all these new characters and new time period three quarters of the way through the picture. So I, so after after we'd written this, after I'd written a version of this, I said, Bob, this is not, this is not sitting right with me. Um, this needs to breathe. All this stuff, these characters, we need to, they need to be expanded. So. Give me, give me a week or two. I think it took me a week or 10 days. I said, I'm going to write this act for as long as it needs to be where I feel like it's doing the job that it's supposed to do. And when that was done, it was a 210-page script, and it bisected exactly where the movies break. And so here now, I said to Bob, we can make Back to the Future 2 and Back to the Future 3, and that's what we should do. And the studio didn't want to hear about that. They thought we were crazy because <laughs> we were crazy, right? <laughs> Um, but then I had our production manager do two budgets. I said, okay, I want you to do, I want you to budget Back to the Future 2, 165-page version that has the back four in it. And I also want you to budget Back to the Future 2 and 3 as separate movies. And let's see what we get. So we had, um, you can do one movie that's going to cost $50 million, or you can do two movies that are going to cost $35 million each. And the huh. economics of that convince the studio, okay, yeah, all right, that I get we get it now. We get it. Yeah, go ahead and make make two movies. Wow. So so do, filming all at once did, didn't make this sound as crazy as it was. Are you telling me that you built a time machine? <laughs> Out of a DeLorean? Which I know. Which you I mean, go, I mean it was crazy. Which you could get Bob's book, DeLorean Time Machine, Doc Brown's Owner's Workshop Manual, on, at Amazon or any bookstore that's close if, to if you. It sells if your bookstore is open, yeah. Well, <laughs> but it is on Amazon, <laughs> so do that. And it, and it has prime shipping, so you can get it quickly. Um, let's take a quick pause, and we'll be right back after this message. Have you ever wanted to deeply connect with someone the way Vision does with Scarlet Witch? Or be the stand-up guy like Cyclops is for Jean Grey? Well, you don't have to be fused to an infinity stone or be the leader of a superhero team to have the kind of relationships in life we all long for. Mark Went is a men's wisdom coach, and after people work with him, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com. That's M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T coaching.com. Welcome to the Cafe 80s. All I want is a Pepsi. Great Scott. And we're back. Yeah. Um, so 
The movies were a success, obviously. From there, we go to the cartoon. Right. Why the cartoon? Um, Universal came to me and they said, what would you think about doing a Saturday Saturday morning cartoon show based on Back to the Future? And I was a new father. My daughter was, what, four years old, three or four years old. And, you know, the, the stuff that was on Saturday morning back then, it was appallingly bad. And there was nothing, you know, there, there was no content in it that was any, you know, was, was educational. It was just sell toys, sell toys. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll get involved with this, but we have to have a little bit of science in every episode. And so we, the, the, the two guys that were the actual producers, I was the executive producer, um, uh, John Luden and John Loy, uh, Luden had had used to work in uh, Seattle and he knew Bill Nye, the science guy. Uh, they d- had done a science show on a local channel. And he said, I know, I know this guy and he'd be perfect to, to do these little sort of Mr. Wizard science experiments. And so what we did was we came up with a science concept that was at least loosely related to the story we were telling so that after you saw the, the episode, uh, Doc Brown said, now let's talk about the science here. And, you know, does a curveball actually curve? You know, can you build a battery out of lemon juice? Um, all these things that, you know, are real experiments. Right. And, and we got Chris Lloyd to, to introduce these things. And, and we did these segments. And it caught on with the science teachers in elementary schools. We used to get mail saying, thank you for putting this on TV. Um, I can use these experiments to teach my kids uh, some some cool scientific concepts. So we got it on CBS for, for two seasons. Um, the ratings weren't what they wanted. You know, the, the CBS people, they said, well, can we add a robot to this or some aliens? And I said, no, <laughs> we're not adding aliens. It's a scientific basis. And, uh, yeah, some some of you alien uh, people out there might feel that, okay, wait, Area 51, it's real, isn't it? Um, maybe it is, maybe not. But I, was, I, I wasn't going there with Back to the Future. Uh, so after two seasons, right. it expired. That's too bad. Are there plans to release this on uh, on DVD or Blu-ray or a re-release? Well, I don't. The, I don't ever remember seeing it out originally. Yeah, the, car- the cartoon series is out. It, we 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 put it out there uh, for the 30th anniversary. Again, how did I miss this? And now I'm going to have to go find it because I I watched <laughs> the show. Cost you. This show is really going to cost. Yes, you. it will cost me, and I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to enjoy every penny I spend on it. <laughs> Because I, I loved it. Um, well, let me go the other way then. Has CBS come to you about putting it on, well, I guess now it's what, the Paramount app? No. Um, well, I mean, Universal has owns owns it. So it's Universal. They would put it on Peacock, Cock. I guess. Yeah. Right. Oh, but, yeah. You know, right. And they could just do that. I mean, I don't, I don't know why they don't. They own it. You know, they can... They can put their own stuff on their own streaming channel, um, and they probably don't do it because you know the quality. It's 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 you know it's old school cell animation, and you know maybe kids don't like to watch that anymore. I don't know. It's it's uh, you know four by three aspect ratio. It's not. I bet they'd be surprised. Whatever. If it if it makes you actually feel good, my daughter's eleven. Of course, I'm fifty, so we got that 
age gap going there with her. Um, she's 11. She turns 12 in November. When Disney Plus put out the Ewoks cartoon, she's been watching it. The Disney afternoon stuff, like Gummy Bears, Tailspin, she watches it. She loves stuff from when I was you know, transitioning from high school to college. And older say, cartoons. Can't say transition anymore. <laughs> okay. When <laughs> when I was moving maturely from high school to college, Mike, um, I have some good news for you. Yes, you can get you can get the entire box set on uh, DVD on Amazon for twenty one ninety eight. Hot dog! There it it's is. Being, it's being added to is. the cart. Watch those with your daughter and. Uh, you know, I'm not supposed to be plugging another studio here, but, you know, HBO Max, they have all the Looney Tunes on that show. Yeah. On that yep. channel. All the classics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From the 40s mm-hmm. and 50s. Well, we introduced her uh, two, three years ago to Back to the Future. And it is one of three movies that she will, cha- if she's channel surfing, if it's Star Wars, Harry Potter, or Back to the Future, it stops. Cool. She says it's a hard decision if there's a movie from each one of the <laughs> franchise that's on at the same time, because then she doesn't know where to go. I'm like, that's a good problem to have. It is a good problem. Um, so from there, we go back to the future, uh, the TV series, then we get closer to the actual day time-wise. Did you expect... As we were getting closer and closer to that day, the the response from the fans, from even non-fans. No, it was, of, it was crazy. Uh, I mean, President Obama declared it officially Back to the Future Day. And what, what could be better than a presidential proclamation, you know? So yeah, really. <laughs> all these companies, as, as we were getting towards it, I realized, wow, this really is a big deal because all these companies were coming to Universal and they're saying, we, we need to tie in something to uh, to Back to the Future Day, um, especially if they were into some some kind of technology, uh, anything. Um, and it was it was crazy. It was crazy. And then USA Today said, we want to replicate the newspapers from Back to the Future Part 2. And actually have the the day's newspaper wrapped in uh you know in, in a version of the of the of the original of, of the paper that you guys created for the movie and they did that those things are gigantic collector's items they sold out instantly it was amazing I I couldn't find one I was in New York could not find one none <laughs> none of none of the stores here I live in in the Orlando area none of the stores here had it. I actually had to call USA Today and order one. I called that I day. I said, I need a copy I of today's paper. I think they may have reprinted it, too. Um, and I think I only have one of the two uh, front pages. I have the one with Marty Marty Jr. being arrested. I don't have, well, the, Bif, I don't have the Biff Mike, one. Mike, you're going to be on eBay. Yes, I have more money. (laughs) Oh, it's already bad enough because I'm trying to find the Pepsi bottle. One, one filled one and one that's and one not filled for the collection as well. Actually, I'm probably just going to go non-filled. That way I don't have the Pepsi rotten it out. But yeah, you'll save money on shipping. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um apparently I have also found back to, on Amazon, Back to the Future, the complete adventures, Blu-ray and digital box set. And it has Yeah, that has a whole cartoon set in there. It has the movies and the cartoons. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So what you 40, don't have the Blu-ray? 
I had <laughs> wait. I had the DVDs. I know that. I had the completers. Well, we be geeks. What kind of geeks are you if you don't have the Blu-ray of Back to the Future? Broke. And there's a 4K out, and you should have that, too. I don't have a 4K player yet, but... Well, now, now you have now, now's the reason yeah. to get it. Yeah, this is gonna yeah, cost. There you go. <laughs> it's gonna cost us big time. <laughs> so much money. I I am so glad I've been making overtime at work. <laughs> now I know where that money's going. Um, I hope you're pop, doing a lot of overtime. <laughs> I, yeah, I have been. Um, pop culture wise, <laughs> Lego came out with a Lego set, which I own. And again, going to cost me more money because I want to get two more sets so I can build, have each version in the car. The right, car oh yeah. yeah. Cause right now the version I had, the version I built that's on display is car a from the first film. First that That's my favorite. Um, but I do want to make the other two cars. I'm just not going to rebuild just to have the other two. I'll buy other sets. Um, there's a pro wrestler out of Japan who uses Back to the Future as part of the theming of his of his persona. Were you aware really? of that? Oh. No. Uh, he he wrestles here in the States now as in, in WWE's um, developmental program. Uh, his name is Kushida. And when he was at wrestling in Japan. Right, he, I, I got to write this down. Hold on. Just let me, let me grab a pen here. But he comes. Okay. K-U-S-H-I-D-A. Okay. Got it. When he wrestled in Japan, his he had a tag team partner named Alex Shelley, and they wrestled as the Time Splitters. Okay. <laughs> when he comes out, he's wearing what looks like a jean shirt or jean jacket with the orange vest, and his rest <laughs> and his wrestling boots are designed to look like the boots from Back to or the shoes from Back to the Future too. <laughs> I gotta check this guy out. And, and, uh, when he, and when he comes out for his entrance, he gets up on the on the ropes. He's obviously he's not wearing a watch, but on his tape, he has a watch drawn on his tape and he looks at his watch and like okay i love this guy actually his future is it and apparently a big influence with him as well um but the references everywhere and then it leads to as we talked about earlier the documentary um which I had, the one i remember seeing was the one on discovery in rebuilding the a car and hearing the stories behind it that the car after the film just sat on set and I can't believe it. With the key, with the keys still crazy. in it. Sat on the tour. I don't know if the, I don't know if the keys were in it, but it, yeah, it just sat around on the tour, and people just took stuff off it. Yeah, it was crazy. How much? Unbelievable. Uh, how much of the original parts did you guys get back when y'all put the call for it? We got a lot more than we expected. It was great that so many of the fans. Um, heeded the call and said, yeah, okay, this is a worthwhile project. Uh, I'd, I'd rather know that this is where it belongs. So we got, I, I can't tell you how much cause I don't remember. Um, but it was, you know, it was one of these things where, you know, I, I wrote this letter that we put on, put on the Facebook group. Yeah. Um, and you know, it was, it was kind of like, Oh, is anybody going to pay any attention to this? And we were, we were amazed that it got such a good, good reception and good response. And, People said we said, you know, total amnesty. You know, you guys didn't steal anything. You were just, you were just uh, being a steward for it. Uh, you were the guardian of these parts, and now we're we call, we're calling them back, and uh, we got a lot back. Oh wow, that's cool. Uh, 
you gave them you gave that team a year to restore it. Were you surprised they were able to make it on time? Well, I didn't give them, I didn't give them anything. Universal, oh, Universal okay. was writing the checks, right? So so it was Universal. I, I apologize. Said, okay, here, here it is. You guys. Well, this is what's so amazing. You know, it's when when. When, when the original car was built, you know, it, it was built in like, you know, 10 or 12 weeks. Yeah. You know, so re, restoring it and restoring it to the year. It's like if you've ever done a remodeling project in your house, you know, it's quicker to build a new house than remodel an old house. Because <laughs> you're trying to, you know, make everything, make everything work and all that stuff. So it was... Uh, we didn't know how long it was going to take. Um, actually, I didn't think it was going to take as long as it did. But these guys that worked on the on the car were just total, total fanatics. And they made it even better than it was originally because, you know, they improved some of the some of the electronics in there uh, so that stuff would light up better, better, better lights, better circuits. Um, uh, but, you know, again, always trying to restore and find uh, replacements for parts that we couldn't find or that broke or that wore out. Um, uh, and then, you know, refurbishing everything that could be possibly refurbished. And then um, there's been a on Discovery Plus, which was a six-part right. series? Four-part series. Four-part series. Right. Expedition Back to the Future. What, were you involved with that show? And if so, yeah. what's, what's the principle behind it? Well, the, this show, um, you know, everybody, <laughs> Back to the Future just keeps on keeps on keeping on, you know? Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> like you guys, you saw the movie with your kids, your adults, you love Back to the Future, you're bringing that love that you have to your own families, to yep. your kids. They're loving it. Um, you guys, the adults that were kids then, they have a little bit more money. They're spending money on more Back to the Future merchandise. There's more Back to the Future merchandise now than there ever was back in the day. Um, that's pretty crazy. Boys, games, it's, it's, isn't it? <laughs> it's great. Back to the Future Monopoly set, right? So anyway, uh, uh, the guy that was the actual producer of the show, Bud Brutzman, uh, he called me up. He said, I got this idea for a show. Uh, he had gotten Christopher Lloyd interested in it. But everybody said, you need to get Gail to sign off on this because if he if he doesn't pull the trigger, is there's no show. Uh, so he told me what the idea was, which is let's try to find what happened to every DeLorean that was created for the Back to the Future trilogy. And I said, OK, oh, wow. that's a good idea. Let's 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 do that. And, um, uh, and and by the way, for all of you that want to see it, but you don't want to sign up for another streaming service, you can get a one week free free trial, Discovery Plus, binge all four episodes, you know, then and your subscription. So uh, oh, yeah. nice. you don't have you don't have to you don't have to drop any money. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll be worth the money to drop. The money this time, Mike. <laughs> no, <Yeah>. because <laughs> I'm actually going to be. We are we are looking into getting Discovery Plus because uh, we've dropped cable. I'm using YouTube TV here with our streaming, um, which we use Roku as well. And now there's a whole new drama with all that. But I miss the History Channel, and I could get the History Channel on Discovery Plus, and I could get A and E on is, Discovery it's Plus. It's one of the cheaper ones. It's one yeah, of the cheaper it's five bucks. Five, six bucks. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have cable, if you don't have cable, you should absolutely have it. It's great. And you have, you know, you have a, you have a 11 going on 12 daughter. 
Uh, yeah. There's going to be good stuff on there that you should see uh, just, you know, just to get educated because, oh, yeah. you know, they're not teaching enough science and history in school these days. She right. she wants to be involved in the space program and she also wants to do uh, animation. And with the podcast, the two, the two of us do, she's already interviewed a couple people from NASA. And they've cool. both have told her you could be you could work here at NASA or SpaceX and do animation and art because we need people to design the mission patches. We need people to help design storyboards or or even educational film strips to get kids interested and, and make it look appealing for them so it's exciting and not boring. There there is a world for you in NASA as an animator still. And she's excited about that. Great. That's really Great. cool. That's that's so, yeah, encourage her. That's that's excellent. So that's uh yeah. she goes into middle school next year and the middle school she's looking into does STEM and art and she's hoping to get into both of those programs to, to push it. All right. And, All right. and it, she has already been delving into the DeLorean time machine, Doc Brown's owner's workshop manual mm-hmm. and looking at the schematics and everything here and trying to figure out, could this actually work in real life? <laughs> if anyone's going to do it, her and her generation probably could once they figure out how to tackle the 1.2 gigawatts. <laughs> um, what's been the biggest um, merch that you've been the most surprised with that has come out. Oh my God. There's so much uh, that is, has amazed me. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled that, you know, that, that Lego finally did what, uh, what everybody had been, had been clamoring for. Um, it, well, thankfully with, I, with, with I'm that really set, happy. I was going to say with that Lego set, that was a fan created set from their fan Absolutely. creation line. Yeah. Which is yeah. great. I'm glad they tackled yeah. it and Universal allowed it. So, yeah. No, Universal's really supportive of this stuff. It's, 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 it's terrific that they, they I mean, it's just, this is one That's of the crown, it's one of the crown jewels of the studio, right? They, right. I mean, yeah. look, they, they would love it if we came to them and said, Hey, we're going to do Back to the Future 4. But no, <laughs> we're not doing that. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's not, yeah. yeah. But instead, we've got uh, Back to the Future, the musical. Uh, which opens in London. Uh, Previous <laughs> start on August twentieth. Uh, we had a awesome. we had a five week run of this in Manchester, UK, uh, in twenty uh, first part of twenty twenty, where we had to shut down. And the show is absolutely incredible. Um, this is the show that people who are Back to the Future fans, even if you're not a Back to the Future fan, you're going to love this. It is um, exceeded all my expectations. I mean, and I was involved with it from the beginning to, to, and still am, but just in terms of how it all came together and, uh, you know, I'm talking about how the people that are fans of the movie are the ones now that are creating the merchandise. Uh, and the fans of the movie are people that worked on this show. They, you know, oh my God, I get a chance to put Back to the Future on stage as a musical. Uh, I, I can Sounds contribute amazing. to that. Yeah, it's great. So um, eventually, I'm sure we'll get it over here uh, to New York and on, on a tour. But for anybody that is thinking about what we want to do for a, for a summer vacation or fall vacation, uh, London. Trip to the uh, West End. Your tickets. Yeah, the Adelphi Theater. Um, sorry, my dog is making a lot of noise out there. Ah, perfectly fine. <laughs> usually, usually it's my dogs that are doing it. <laughs> 
I thought Guys, it was your dog. We're going to have to end the call this an evening here. Um, oh, we, we thank you for your time. Um, yes, very much. Again, the book, which I haven't, I don't think I've said enough tonight. Back to the Future, DeLorean Time Machine, Doc Brown's Owner's Manual, Owner's Workshop Manual, written by our guests Bob Gale and Joe Walser. Illustrations by Joe Walser as well. You can find it on Amazon. I also find it at your bookstores if they're open. If not, order it from your favorite bookstore's website. If you have a rewards card, get your points that way. Um, it really is an awesome book. It really you, is. You, you've got to get it. Where, if you're willing to share, where can people find you online? Um, you know, I don't. I don't do social media. Um, Wise if man. I did, <laughs> if Wise I man. did, I'd, I'd end up doing nothing else, right? <laughs> nothing else. So that's that's uh, why you're so healthy. You're not in that toxic environment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do. Every once in a while, I'll do personal appearances at conventions, uh, at comic book shows, at science fiction shows, or whatever. And you can find out about that if you go to BackToTheFuture.com, which is the you know the movie's official website. Um, I don't have anything lined up because. The main thing I'm looking forward to is getting back uh, over to over to the UK and get back to work on the musical. Awesome. Um, but oh, uh, a whole bunch of appearances lined up for this year that of course had to all be canceled. So knock on wood, 2022, I'll be back out, be back out there. And, uh, you know, people can find me that way. Well, I'm going to say for both Derek and I, hopefully we'll see you at either in Boston where Derek's at, or I see you down here in the Orlando area. Uh, Cause I would love to meet you in person as well. And just relive tonight with you again. I say, this was a great, <laughs> this was a great night. And we'll go yeah, back yeah. to the past from when we talked about back to the future. Thank you for joining us. It was our honor. It was our distinct pleasure to have you on and you are welcome back anytime. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, And I'm sorry to cost you so much money, Mike, but when you're a geek, it's it's only just started. (laughs) Is it okay if I tell my wife it's Bob Gale's fault? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's still not going to work. My wife tells me that it's my fault all the time, you know, I, and I just I, say yes to you. I don't think it's a part of being married. I think it is. And it is still probably not going to help me. So uh, thank, thank you again. Uh, this is, this was a blast. And like I said, in all sincerity, we mean it. You're welcome back anytime. Just let us know. And okay. on that note, it, I, hopefully this interview does not ask leave you asking want to know more so um the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club this has been a Weeby Geeks production. Next Saturday night, we're sending you back to the future. You know how Peter Parker doesn't always know how to tell Mary Jane how he really feels? Or how Tony Stark seems to have everything but not the deep emotional connection his complex soul craves? Well, you don't have to be a superhero or a wealthy industrialist to experience the kind of rich relationships and life we all long for. I'm Mark Wen, and I'm a men's wisdom coach. After people work with me, they have the confidence, emotional intelligence, and communication skills they need to be the heroes of their own story. To find out more, go to markwentcoaching.com. M-A-R-C-W-E-N-D-T. 
coaching.com.